are here, having a good morning. I was thinking as David was leading those songs and every song that he led this morning, uh, it, it was the right song and, uh, and it was as if he had my notes uh, like all week long to pick the right songs that just went perfect uh, with the message this morning. And uh, so I just wanna thank David McKenzie again for leading us with excellence and all that he's been doing. A few weeks from now, uh, David will be in uh, Sydney, Australia, attending Hillsong College, and it's summer in Australia, and uh, so that's not very nice, but anyhow, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll pray that, that God will be with him anyhow, but it's almost like summer here. You know, I, this is, I can handle this, uh, but some of, you, some of you want a white Christmas, don't you? Well, I split the church right there. I just split the church right there. Okay, all right, moving on, moving on. Uh, the older I get, the faster time flies. Is that true for everyone or just me because of my hockey concussions? Is that, is that true for you? The older I get, the faster time flies. Like, nobody told me about this. The first 40 years of my life took a long time, like 40 years. But I'm working on the next 40, and it's going like way, way faster. I thought I had all kinds of time left, but it just, it just speeds up. It accelerates. Like, what's it like after 60? Do you get up, like, by the time you get dressed, you go back to bed? Like, what's that? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Christmas, so the older I get, the faster Christmas comes at me. It's coming at me faster than a shopping cart on Black Friday. Like, it is... It is coming at us fast, and one week from tonight is the opening night of our Hub City Christmas. One week from tonight. So uh, that's, that's, that strikes fear in the hearts of uh, those who are, are producing it, but hey, it's all good, and it will be awesome, and, uh, and I've seen some of the things that they're pulling together for this, and you are going to be amazed, and you're going to be blessed, and you're going to be thankful that you invited people and, uh, and brought people to it. I hope that you're praying for Hub City uh, Christmas, for that, for that whole production. Pray for the people who are leading it and all the people who are volunteering and all that. This week, they'll transform this place, uh, the church, in, into all of that. A lot of rehearsals going on this week. Uh, pray for each of those tickets that are going out uh, and all the tickets that are left. Like, you need to get them today and get them out there in the city uh, this week. And um, pray for me. Uh, I, I have a, you know, a little message in Hub City, but it's a very, very important message. And you can pray for me that God would give me the right words uh, to share with people so that when they come to Hub City, uh, God can, can speak to them and open up the eyes of their heart that they would see him like never before. And that's the reason why we do it, is to uh, make Jesus famous and to help people see who he is and accept him as their savior. So that's the whole, that's the reason why we do it all. And uh, it's gonna be fantastic, so I can't wait. So that's next Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. Nothing on Wednesday night, and then a Christmas Eve service here at six o'clock on Christmas Eve, and that's gonna be, be fun as well. So next Sunday is Christmas Sunday, the Sunday right before Christmas, the 20th. And we talk a lot about, you know, Hub City, uh, and we should, the, the production, but I would really love for us as a church to catch a vision 
for inviting people we know to come to church on Christmas Sunday morning because that's a totally different experience. Like, you know, the, the way we were just in, in worship here the last few minutes, like that's a different experience. And uh, next Sunday, we're gonna share communion together. Uh, we've got baptisms next Sunday. So if you'd like to be baptized, you'd like to get in on that, uh, communicate to us on your card. And uh, so we've got communion, we've got baptisms. We're gonna have another awesome time of worship. I'm gonna preach a salvation message next Sunday morning as well. And, and our vision here at Moncton Weston is that we, all of us, would be people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. And that's not just for the big events, although they're great, but that's weekly. That's for, that's for Sunday morning worship as well. And so if, you, if people you know know that you go to church, they know that you have a church, they might be just waiting for you to invite them out for church on Christmas Sunday morning. So that's gonna be good as well. And if every person brought one person, we would pack this place out, right? If each one brought one, then we're full. And, uh, and so that would be exciting. Uh, quick word on our Christmas offering. This is the Christmas offering envelope, by the way, and it looks amazing. Our Shane, Shane Grant, our Director of Communications, uh, is doing a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal job. And uh, this looks terrific. So next Sunday, Christmas offering. And um, some years in the past, not every year, but some year we've taken uh, 10% of our Christmas offering and given it uh, away uh, to, to a need in, in our world. And this year, 10% of the Christmas offering is gonna go directly to the Syrian refugee crisis, okay? So that's gonna be happening. And our goal for the offering is to close the gap on where our giving has been to, to this, this far in the year. Our, our financial year ends April the 30th. And so we wanna close the gap on that. And we'd love to have an extra over and above using these envelopes. You have your regular offering and then your Christmas offering. We'd like to have an extra over and above $20,000. That's our goal. And I think we're gonna crush it. I think we're gonna blow right, right through it. And uh, we're all in this together. And together we can do great things. And so uh, raise your hand if you'll pray with me for the Christmas offering. Anyone? Thank you. God, you're, you're an awesome congregation. I love you. I really do. Okay, um, let's do lunch together. Not all of you, um, but some of you. I wish we could all do lunch together, but if you're new today, if today is your very first time here, or if you're new-ish, or uh, kind of new, been around for, for a few weeks or a couple of months, and you'd like to know more about, about Moncton Westland, maybe you'd like to know more about uh, me and my family and, and the vision of our church and where we're going, lunch with me. It's called Hello. It happens right after the service. It's in the family center. Uh, find someone in the atrium who looks like they know what they're doing. They will direct you to the right place. It's not the pizza over here uh, this way. The, the, it's not the Haiti Babaco pizza. It's in a totally different room. And uh, children are welcome. And uh, come right after the service and we'll have a great time. We'll have lunch together. It takes about an hour and uh, just show up, okay? See you for lunch. Last week, we talked, about, uh, we, ta we talked about waiting on God and how God had been quiet for 400 years. And by quiet, we're talking about 400 years between the last place we see God speaking in the Old Testament and when, we, when God uh, shows up again in, we, in the New Testament and we start to hear about John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. And it was more like um, 
being in the waiting room for 400 years, it's, it's not like, you know, we don't know that God was totally quiet. It's just more like a, a period of waiting for 400 years. So don't complain the next time that you're waiting in uh, outpatients at the hospital, okay? There should be a sign up in the hospital that says, Israel waited for 400 years. Get over it. We'll be with you soon. Um, and all the nurses, yeah, anybody who works at the hospital is like, yeah, that's, great, that's a great idea. So there was this 400-year period of waiting between the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you back that bus up another 300 years, so if you go back from the time of Jesus, uh, 700 years, you get to the prophet Isaiah. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah is telling uh, King Ahaz, the king of Judah, that God is going to bring a Messiah. And to be like super clear about it, Isaiah says to, to Ahaz, he says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, Isaiah doesn't tell the king when this is going to happen. He just says, trust me, it's going to happen. And it didn't happen for 700 years. Isaiah just knows that it will happen. So when you fast forward 700 years, you have Matthew, who is writing his account of, of Jesus Christ. And Matthew takes this, this verse from Isaiah, and he connects the dots for us. And he quotes Isaiah's prophecy in the very first chapter of his book. And while Matthew is writing this and quoting Isaiah, Isaiah is walking around heaven getting high fives and telling everybody that he nailed it 700 years earlier. Actually, I made that part up. You won't find that in the Bible. Don't look for it. So Isaiah, in this verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 14, he used a name for Jesus that appears only three times in Scripture. It appears in Isaiah chapter 7. It appears in Isaiah chapter 8. And then Matthew brings it up again in Matthew chapter 1. And that's the only three times in Scripture that we see the name Emmanuel. We know that Mary didn't call him Emmanuel. She called him Jesus, just like the angel uh, told her to and told Joseph to. So Isaiah's reference when he says, they will call him Emmanuel, it, it, it means this is something that he will be known for. You'll be able to identify the Messiah as, as God with us, as Emmanuel. In other words, Isaiah knows through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God was bringing someone into our world and into our lives like we had never experienced before. He was going to be in us and around us and ahead of us and behind us and over us and under us and he was going to be everything that we had ever hoped for and all that we ever needed. This Jesus was going to be God with us. And if this is true, if, if Jesus is Emmanuel, if he's God with us, if it's true, then it has to be really true. It can't be sort of true. It can't be kind of true. It can't be seasonally true. Jesus doesn't want to be your friend with a truck that you only call when you're moving. If it's true and he's God with us, then this changes everything. If he's God with us all the time, then this means, this means that he, he's God in all of my conversations. He's God in all of my text messages that I think nobody else ever sees. 
He's God when I'm surfing channels on the TV or when I'm tempted to use my phone or my computer for sin. If he's God with us, then he needs to be Lord of of all, Lord of everything. He needs to be Lord of my finances, Lord of my giving, Lord of my relationships. If he's with us, then then he's always with us. And he's, he's with us in our fear. He's with us in our anxiety. He's with us in our depression. He's with us in our doubt. He's with us in our questions, in our sickness. He's in it all. He's, he, he's woven into the very fabric of our lives. Now let's go to our text. It's Matthew chapter one. That was all introduction. Now I'm getting ready to preach. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Matthew says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And this is where he quotes Isaiah 7, verse 14. Matthew says, look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. An engagement was usually a 12-month betrothal. Betrothal, betrothal, betrothal. That's a strange word, betrothal. Is that a hard word to do in, in uh, sign language, Dave? No, you got it? It's easier to sign than it is to say. <laughs> it meant that Joseph had a formal uh, agreement with Mary's family and he would be back in 12 months for the wedding. It was the 12-month time. And it was binding. And the only way to break the engagement would be through, through legal divorce. You couldn't just... You couldn't just say it was over or change your mind. You had to go through legal divorce procedures if you wanted to break an engagement. It was, it was binding. And somehow, during the engagement, somehow, some way, Joseph finds out that something is cooking. And we don't know how he found out. He might have been visiting Mary and, his fam- and her family. Somebody might have posted it on Facebook. You weren't supposed to post that. And somehow, some way, he finds out. And Matthew doesn't spend a whole lot of time explaining this. Like, it's just a couple of verses. And there were still eyewitnesses alive at the time that Matthew's writing this. And so he just assumes that if his readers don't know the story, or if they don't believe the story, they can talk to someone who was there, and they'll tell them, yeah, that's exactly how it happened. Matthew just he, just, he just says it quickly and matter of fact. They were engaged, and while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're moving on. And he moves on. But what Matthew does want us to know 
He wants us to know that Joseph was a good man. He was a good man. He was righteous. We saw this last week when we were talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how Luke went out of his way to tell us about the character of Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they were, they were, they were good people, they were righteous people. Not, not perfect people, not perfect, but living in such a way that if God wants to speak to them, he can speak to them, they'll hear him. Living in such a way that, that God can get their attention. If he wants to use them, he can use them because they're, 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 they're dialed in to God. When he wants to use them, they're available. Now an engaged woman, because this was all binding, an engaged woman could be sentenced and punished as a married woman. And Joseph doesn't want that to happen, and he obviously cares about Mary. But at this point, in the, in, up, up to where we pick it up, he's still hurt, uh, he's thinking about breaking it off, he's probably mad, he's probably broken a few things and kicked a few things and felt betrayed and wondering, you know, why is this happening? But he doesn't want to make a scene. He'll just, he'll just get word to Mary's family that it's, it's going to be off, it's going to be over, and he, he's prepared to move on with his life. And while Joseph is thinking through his exit strategy, God sends him an angel. God, is, is, am, I dry, am, that, am I that dry? I worked hard on this message. Thanks, Al. Is this special water? It's supposed to make me better. Okay. Um, I have no idea where I am, but I'm going to find it. God sends him an angel. God in his mercy sends us. Okay? God in his mercy sends us what we need and who we need when we need it the most. This is what God does to Joseph. And this is, this is who God is. This is what God does. He sends us who we need and what we need, uh, like Al with a bottle of water, <laughs> when we need it the most. And we don't understand God's timing, but we can trust his faithfulness. A lot of times we'd say, God, how about my timing? I, li- I like my timing. This would, this would be a good time right now, God. But we don't understand his timing, but we can trust his faithfulness. Like the old hymn says, I have proven him true. What he says he will do. He never has failed me yet. Okay, back to 20 and 21. Let's go back to verse 20 and 21. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In these two verses, Matthew shows us that God gives us what we need when we need it. There are three gifts in these verses, three, three gifts that the angel brings to Joseph and gives him exactly what he needs when he needs it the most, and and these three things were so clear, and they were so perfect, and so exactly what he needed, that that it reversed all of Joseph's plans, like he woke up, and he was a different person, and he changed his mind, and and, and it it changed the course of his history, and of course, all of ours, and he took Mary as his wife after he got these three things from the 
from the angel. So if we could go back to verse 20 and put that up on the screen. No, no, okay, leave it there. First one. No, oh, okay. He's like, what do you want, pastor? Well, okay, just what I wanted to point out to this was um, the angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Okay, so now the first one, the first point is don't be afraid. This was a gift that the angel, this, Joseph needed to hear this. Sometimes you just need to hear God whisper peace into your soul and just whisper the words into your spirit. Don't be afraid. Face your challenges uh, with faith, not with fear. If this is what God wants you to do, if this is God's plan for your life, then the, the only thing that we should fear is not doing it. The only thing we should fear is, is being disobedient and, and going our own way or doing our own thing. But if it's what God wants you to do, if it's what God is calling you to do and asking you to do, then face it with faith, not with fear. And so all the, all the, the joy in life and growth and fulfillment and meaning and purpose, it, it's in being where God wants you to be. It's when we do what God wants us to do in, in, in spite of our fear, when we break through that and we get out into the faith zone where God wants us to be, that's where the, the joy and the growth and, and purpose for our lives is doing what God wants you to do. That maybe that one thing that you're dreading to do, that one thing that you, you know you need to do, but you don't want to do it, and God keeps whispering it to you and saying, you've got you to make that call. You've got to send that email. You've got you to you do that thing that you're dreading to do, or that one person that you're avoiding, or the person that you're, you're trying to get up enough nerve to invite them to Hub City Christmas, but, but you're afraid of it. Go for it, because Christians Followers of Jesus should be known more for their faith than they are for their fear. And so the angel, the angel comes to Joseph and the first thing he says to him is don't be afraid. And we need to hear that over and over. It's kind of been a theme this fall at Moncton Weston. We've, 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 we've talked about this a lot. And maybe there's, there's some of us that just need to keep hearing it every week. Don't be afraid. God is with you. The second one, comes from the second part of uh, verse 20 where the angel says to Joseph, uh, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So the first gift that the angel brings Joseph is don't be afraid. The second one is believe in the impossible. Joseph, Joseph, you're, you're, you're thinking this through in human terms. You're thinking humanly this is not possible. But Joseph, God, God can do anything he wants to do. God does not have to operate and function by things that we think are possible. He's God, and he can do anything that he wants to do. And, he's, and the angel says to him, Joseph, the Holy Spirit has done this. We need to recapture a fiery faith that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, why would we as Christians choose to live an underpowered spiritual life? We don't need to live boring, average, mundane, barely flickering spiritual lives. We don't need to live that way. And so the angel is blowing Joseph's mind on who God is and what God can do and how big and how awesome God really is. And he wants Joseph, he wants his, his heart and his life to be radically transformed, radically transformed to the point that he will never ever again doubt the power of God. 
Like the angel wants to do something in Joseph's life that changes his life forever. He wants Joseph to know that when God moves, when God moves his Holy Spirit and puts his spirit into the lives of people, that anything can happen. Now, I know that God is stirring hearts and lives at Moncton Wesleyan. I know that God is, God is the Holy Spirit is, is here right now, and he's moving right now, and he's speaking to hearts and lives, and has been, and I know that there are hearts across this congregation at Moncton Wesleyan that are, that are getting more and more believability, and they're getting more faith and less fear, and they're starting to get a, a vision for what God can do when his spirit shows up and his power shows up, and we start to believe that in him all things are possible, and that's happening in our church, and I'm, I'm praying for more of it. He's giving birth to new vision and new believability, a fresh revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit. People who are starting to really truly believe that all things are possible. So there's, he says to Joseph, don't be afraid. And he says to Joseph, you need to believe. You need to believe that all things are possible. And then the third thing he does is in verse 21 where he says she's going to have a son you're going to name him jesus for he will save his people from their sins and so the third one is joseph this is not all about you this is not all about you you need to think about what god wants to do for others think about others the angel wants joseph to see how his decision to follow jesus will affect others essentially he's saying joseph your risk in this in 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 taking this, this pregnant fiance as your wife, whatever personal risk there is for you in doing this, and your pain, and whatever it costs you personally, Joseph, you need to think about how this is, what God is going to do through this, and how this is going to affect other people's salvation. He's saying, Joseph, the risk is worth it. The pain is worth it. Trusting God to, to, to do anything is worth it. It's not all about you. And God might want to take your life and God might want to do something in your life that, 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 that is, is for who knows how many others, hundreds of others or thousands of others. What God is doing in you is not always just about you. And so we need to surrender our lives. And we need to say, Lord, if, if whatever you want to do in my life, however you want to use my life, and if it involves pain, and if it involves risk, and if it, you know, if, if it's not easy, if it's difficult, whatever, if it brings you glory, and if it can lead others to you, and if it can help somebody else, then here I am, then here, Lord, here I am. You can, you can use me, and I surrender all I'm available. You see, on our own, on our own, we're were pre-angel Joseph, or Joseph before the angel. Remember where he was? he was? He was deciding in his heart that he was gonna break it off. And on our own, that's, that's where we are. We're afraid, and we look for the easy route. We break engagements with God because of our lack of faith. We tend not to believe that God can do anything. We're underpowered. We don't fully appreciate how our decisions can affect others. Let me give you some examples. If you really believed that your prayer, that your prayer could help heal someone 
or, or, or that your prayer could help answer someone else's prayer, or that your prayer could lead someone to Jesus, this room would be filled to the rafters every time we announce a prayer meeting, if you really believe that. Just, just saying. If you really believe that, that your uh, invite in, in taking the risk and in inviting someone to church, that in, in that person, uh, it's not about coming to church. We all, I hope we all understand that. That's, it's, not, it's not like a church growth attendance strategy. It's a people come to Jesus, lives transformed for eternity strategy. That's what it is. If you really believe that that invite could change that person's, could potentially change that person's life forever and could change the spiritual tree of, their, of generations in their family, if you really believe that, we, we, we would live invitational lives. We would, we, would, we, would, we would just do that all the time. Um, if we really believe that our giving, that in, that in, that in returning our, our resources to the Lord, that, that, that there's something spiritual and miraculous in that, that God takes those resources and, and uses them through this church to change lives for eternity around the world. If you really believe that, that would affect your giving. You would come right unglued every time we had an offering. You would be literally just dancing and just, just coming out of control, knowing this gift, this gift is gonna change. There's gonna be people in heaven because of this gift. It would radically change everything if we, if we really, really believe that. If you believe that serving in children's ministry or serving in youth ministry can, can change a life forever, that, that, that a child or a teenager could fall so passionately in love with Jesus Christ that they, that they, they radically, radically follow him and serve him with their whole entire lives. If you believe that, you would all be lining up to volunteer to serve in children's or youth ministries right after the service. You see, if we really believe these things, it makes a huge difference. Verse 22. Matthew says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. All in the original Greek means, it means all. And this is where Matthew connects the dots from Isaiah to, to where he is. This, is. this is paint by numbers. This is Matthew wanting this to be a pop-up book at this time. This is the story of Jesus in 3D. And Matthew, when he says all of this, all of this, everything that is happening, all of this unfolding, all the centuries, all of this, it all occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Matthew is, is saying, hey, this baby, this Jesus, he's not just a good teacher. This is not coincidence. The way that all of this is unfolding around the birth of Jesus is the way that God intended for this to unfold from the very beginning of time. And just to help us with our doubt, in case anyone has wondered if all of this is random, Matthew says, let me remind you that 700 years ago, God spoke into his 
prophet Isaiah who, who said these words to King Ahaz and it was captured in written word and we still have it today and the virgin did have a son and that's exactly who I'm writing about. And so Matthew wants to be clear, this Jesus, this is, this is God's Messiah. And by saying all of this, He's saying Jesus was the fulfillment of all of prophecy. He's not the closest that anyone has ever been. He's the Messiah. It's him. He's Jesus Christ. He's, he's Emmanuel. Now in verse 23, Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And that brings us back around to that word, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, there it is there. Emmanuel, which means God. It's with us. Why was it so important for the Holy Spirit to, to give that word to Isaiah and for Matthew to make sure that, that that word resurfaces 700 years later? It only appears in scriptures three times. Isaiah 7, Isaiah 8, and Matthew chapter 1. Why was it so important for Matthew to make sure that we knew that he's God with us. Wasn't God with Adam and Eve in the garden and didn't God continue to speak to them even after they chose their own way over his way? Wasn't God with Noah when he told him to build an ark and take shelter from a flood of judgment? Wasn't God with Abraham when he called him out to be the father of a new nation, God's people? God was with Abraham, when Abraham uh, obeyed God, even to the point of being willing to sacrifice the son who he had waited so long for. God spoke to him through an angel and said to Abraham, don't harm the boy. I've seen your obedience, and I am going to bless you beyond measure. God was with Joseph when his brother sold him out, with him in the house of Potiphar, with him in the prison when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, Hotiphar with him when he gets his chance to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, with him when Pharaoh makes him the ruler over all of Egypt, with him when he needs to find the strength to forgive his brothers who sold him into slavery and, and faked his death and deceived their father. He was with Moses when he spoke to him, uh, uh, by the, when, when, when he spoke to him through a burning bush that wasn't consumed by the fire, the fire consumed Moses' pride and it consumed Moses' will, but it didn't consume the bush. And not only is it a, a, a bush that is on fire, but, but, is, but is not being burnt to the ground, it's a talking bush that's on fire and not being burnt to the ground. And Moses took his sandals off, and he got as close to God as he, could, as he dared to get. And he said, here, here am I, here I am, I'm yours. You see, the Old Testament, we could go on and on and on here all day. The Old Testament, it's woven together by this thread of God's, God's presence. God pursuing his people. God forgiving his people. God calling his people. God speaking to them. And he walks with them. And he goes before them in the Old Testament. He is God with us. And so Isaiah takes that title, Emmanuel, and he puts it on Jesus. And Matthew brings it up again, and he makes sure this morning that we don't forget. Who is this baby lying in the straw? He's God with us. But now, he, he's, he's with us on a whole nother level. Now you can hold him. 
Now you can actually trace the steps of God and see him perform miracles and listen to the, the way he teaches the crowds and watch him reach out to the least of these. Now we can literally see the heart of God. We can watch him get disgusted with, with people who are full of, of pride and arrogance in religion. We can see him touch the lepers and, and stand up cripples and send them off dancing and shouting. We can see him go out of his way to reach people who are out of their minds. Jesus didn't avoid the hard places of life, and we can watch him as he intentionally walks into the hard places of people's lives, and he just shines his love and his light, and now we can, we can see it. God with us means greater access and deeper relationship with our creator. You can have God with you. He's Emmanuel, not a not a pocket God, not a break glass in case of emergency God, not a knick-knack God, not a nativity God that you just dust off once a year. The virgin birth is God's declaration that God came to be with you. Let every heart, let every heart prepare him room. See, a lot of people participate in Christmas at a, at a surface level or a party level or a Uh, a a shopping level. Matthew wants you to celebrate Christmas at a much, much deeper level, a much more personal level. Not not just a a bunch of uh, God stuff around you for one particular season of the year, but the God of the universe living inside you 365 days or 24-7 or all of the year, God with us. You see, salvation is much more than just a a decision. A decision is great, and maybe many here this morning will make a decision to follow Jesus. But it's not just a decision, it's a duration. It's it's not just choosing to, to accept Jesus in a moment, it's choosing to follow Jesus with the rest of your life. It's choosing to invite him to be Emmanuel in you, God with me, God in me, for the rest of my life. Don't just, we, don't, don't, don't ask God to just, uh, uh, you know, punch your ticket to heaven. Ask him to purify your soul. And this is a, a point I wanted us to, to really, really capture this, this morning. Christmas is an annual season, we, have, we know that. But Emmanuel, God with us, is something totally different. Christmas is an annual season, but salvation is a daily surrender. Having Christ in us and with us. And so by taking Mary as his wife, Joseph takes Jesus as his Savior. He lets him in. He accepts him. He opens up his life to Jesus. He believes. He believes. And then he receives. And Joseph does for Mary what Jesus does for us. He accepts her. He takes her in. He shows her unconditional love. Now there'll be another day down the road when Joseph would believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's another bridge that he has to cross a little later on in his son's life. But at this point, at this point, He accepts Jesus. 
he invites him into his life. He changes his mind about this baby. And God changes his heart as he makes room for Jesus in his life. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you again this morning for the full power of your word to come alive in our hearts. Thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit was active in Isaiah's life and you gave him that vision, that prophecy that is so true. Lord, I thank you that you you don't want to be a distant God outside our lives and you don't want to be a seasonal God that you want to be Emmanuel God with us so Lord I pray here in the next few moments of this service that you would just uh, speak to us and Lord if there are any here today who don't yet know you as their savior I pray Lord that you would give them the, the faith and the courage to take that step today and if there are any here this morning, Lord, who, who have just not been as consistent in the relationship, and they need today, they need a fresh, a fresh encounter with you, and they really want to, to know you more, closer, deeper today, I pray, God, that you do that as well. As we continue to worship you, we pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and worship together.